the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Kigongo and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite to talk about Magenta's Brutalista and a whole lot more with Leo Valls. Salut et bienvenue sur le podcast Mostly Skateboarding. Je suis Patrick Kigongo et je suis là avec votre hôte, Templeton Elliott, et bien sûr, Jason de Frozen and Carbonite. Vous parlez des Brutalistes et bien plus encore avec notre ami français, Léo Valls. Léo, vous êtes bienvenu chez Mossy Skateboarding. What up? <laughs> Merci. Good morning, America. <laughs> yeah, good evening, Léo. We've seen a Sodi level of output from Léo this year with projects ranging from video parts to 3D printed skatable sculptures. Let's start with your most recent project, Magenta's Brutalista. Where did the idea of an architecture-focused project come about, Léo? Oh, man, we always love theme videos and most importantly about architecture or type of spots that you can find you know when i was a kid i started skating like watching a tons of videos i was really like a big uh, skate video geek and i remember it was my way to travel as a kid before i was actually able to physically travel you know i would just watch videos from the east coast from the west coast from japan all over europe and stuff and I would always check out the background of skate videos and get super hyped on the scenery, on the architecture, you know, and I was like, damn, San Francisco looks like that. What is this? Like, okay, Victorian houses, you know, or, uh, New York City cellar doors or like, damn, Tokyo looks insane. You know what I mean? So I was really into already like architecture and, and through skate videos. And it was, it made me very excited to actually like use my skateboard as a tool to travel and go places. So of course, like still like 15, like 20 years later, still like very excited about architecture and, and spot seeking and stuff. And this new video basically is called Magenta Brutalista because it's about brutalist architecture that you can find in France. And the idea was really to just search, find, and skate the most epic-looking, brutalist architecture spots that we could find in our country. Sick. So for the uninitiated, can you explain what is brutalism? Like, what are kind of the, uh, the identifying characteristics of brutalist architecture? Yeah, well, brutalist architecture is a style of architecture that was mostly built after World War II. A lot of it is based in Europe. A lot of it is in France and England uh, and Italy. And it was built mostly between the 50s and the 70s. And that, that style of architecture kind of went out of fashion. And people kind of tend to hate it nowadays. You know, there is there are a lot of brutalist projects that are getting destroyed as we speak. But basically, brutalist architecture is brut. brut the the word brut is French, and it means raw in in French. You know, so it's about raw concrete and giant structures. Often it looks like some alien structures from the past, who seem built to scale because it's it's concrete. It's often you know, kind of rough, but you find lots of banks, lots of blocks, transitions, like unique setups to skate, you know. Basically, it's it's a style of architecture that you find in most major, major cities in, in, the, in France. And sometimes you find entire neighborhood designed like this. Uh, the, the, the neighborhood in Bordeaux, where my, my hometown of Bordeaux in the, the southwest of France, The neighborhood called Meriadec is an entire brutalist uh, neighborhood. And that's where skateboarding began in 1975. The first archival footage of skateboarding in my hometown is from 1975 in this brutalist uh, style of architecture. 
So, Leo, you've, you've touched upon something that's really important in talking about the history of brutalism. It's post-war. And yeah. it, especially in France, in Belgium, in Italy, in any place where there was an incredible amount of bombing or destruction during the war, that yes. precipitated the need for not only housing for large numbers of people who'd been displaced, but also for the soldiers who were coming back home for what became the baby boom. So it's really interesting to see skateboarding really take off in spaces that had become either neglected or, or hated. And I think what's challenging right now, something I've been reading up a lot about is in the UK, for example, very cheap concrete was used. It's what's called aerated concrete. So yep. a lot of the beautiful, stunning, brutalist architecture that was there was utilized cheap concrete. So it cured incorrectly and it hasn't lasted and it's taken on damp. So do you feel kind of like there's almost like a bit of preservationism in your skating of brutalist spots? Because not all of them were built to last, that some of them were, you know, they don't look as good as as they did in the rendering, for example. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of this stuff is, is not meant to stay forever, you know, and some of that stuff is going to get destroyed, like I said. But for us, like back home, basically the stuff that we skate, it, the most has always been the marble and like the neoclassical uh, looking architecture, like the castly looking buildings and, and stuff that you find in like the downtowns of like Paris and Bordeaux and Marseille and stuff, you know, and that that I think is what makes all skating what it is. You know, it's the, the architecture, the environment that, that we got to skate that doesn't look like California, that doesn't look like the East Coast and that developed the way we skate, especially through uh, the magenta videos or, you know, the local skate videos that we've been developing now for more than 15 years, you know. And Brutalist architecture is another style that's kind of like on the side of this like marbly stuff that's kind of like harder to skate in a way, especially since we we are used to skate like really smooth ground. And this is more like, like I said, like raw and rough and, and, and tough to skate, you know. But we definitely love to document this type of stuff in a, in a way to preserve and to show also the value of this stuff. And I think it's interesting to see like, oh, the general public doesn't really care about this, these neighborhoods that still are like everywhere in big, big cities in France and how we love them and we, we cherish them and we, we, we go and spend like entire days like skating and filming there you know leo jason here um thanks for coming on the broadcast um well just off the top of my head in terms of brutalist architecture here in the virginia dc maryland area there's a whole bunch of examples in dc like the, the welfare building with, with the famous banks sure. um yeah the canadian embassy are there any other uh famous examples of brutalist architecture spots outside of france that you can think of Maybe in England or the U.S. In England, of course. I mean, all like South Bank and right, all right, the like, of you know, all that stuff is like very brutalist for sure. I know in there, there is a bunch of random, crazy brutalist buildings in Naples, in uh, in Italy, and one of the main uh, figure of brutalist movement is called Le Corbusier. So you can check him out. He's a very famous um, French architect who. who uh, built a lot of stuff in Marseille in the south of France. Uh, but other than that, I mean, there there is tons of stuff, you know, but I would say in, in Paris, you have like and wall neighborhoods like uh, La Défense or Bogrenelle is another uh, neighborhood, Bogrenelle, that's uh, like basically all brutalist, you know? Right. So, Leo, question for you. As 
every skateboarder, like you said, is a spot tourist before they take their first bus ride or their first plane or train ride to someplace just to go skateboarding. What's a spot, brutalist or not, that you watched in videos or saw in magazines that blew your mind or met your expectations when you finally got to skate there when you started going on trips? Uh, definitely Japan. Definitely Tokyo and Osaka and all these all these cities. I ended up living in Japan because I, I skated for uh, Takahiro Morita's uh, clothing company. So I ended up staying at his place for for quite quite a while and skated with a lot of the Japanese skate scene. But I think in 2008, my friend gave me a video called On the Broad, quite an underground skate video from the skate shop in Tokyo, one of the first skate shops in Tokyo called Fat Bros. And that video blew my mind because of the the scenery and the architecture, of course, the, the style of skating that was super creative and, and quick-footed and all that stuff, you know. And the filming that was like all VX and like close-up, like fisheye, and, and the music was all like, you know, homemade like soundtracks for the video. It was absolutely epic. And I don't understand why this video is not like more popular, but I, it's something I, I still watch, you know, like to this day to, to get hyped, you know. But yeah, watching this video when I was a kid and and going to Japan for the first time, I felt like a complete tourist. I was just taking pictures of the signs on, on the ground of like, you know, all the all the details that would I would find in, in Japan. And yeah, really that video made me travel to Japan in my mind before I was able to physically go to Japan and experience skateboarding in Japan with all these Japanese people that, by the way, didn't really speak English. And the first time I went to Japan, I barely spoke English as well. So it was really hard to communicate with these people, but we really communicated through skateboarding. And that was, that was like some of my best uh, memories from back in the day, you know. So is that why Magenta has a deep Japan connection? Is it through your trips? <clears throat> earlier on in your career because I've, I've always wondered it, it feels like there's like a, there's a much a much deeper connection between yeah. you guys and the Japanese scene and just like this in the footage that you posted from there you shared from there but then also yeah. that's been included in the videos I think we just we, we we vibe you know we connect uh strongly with the Japanese scene because we're really focused on on the style of things you know like it's not just me because Soi Pende was like already already went to Japan around the same time or maybe even before me. So, you know, multiple connections were made and, and but yeah, we we built a strong connection. Some of the Japanese cats even like came to France for, you know, my wedding and like we did like so many trips. I think I went to Japan like twelve times or something like that, you know, so many times. But I think we just understand each other from a skateboarding point of view because for us we of course we love tricks. You know, and we love like, you know, how like technical shit, but we really care about everything that's around tricks and technical shit. You know, we really care about everything that makes skateboarding special and unique for us, you know, which is back to what we we're talking about, the the spots, the architecture, the style, and most importantly, the whole like universe that a skater can take you to through his skating and his, his video projects, his photo projects or whatever he can produce, you know? So I think there is like, basically we, we understand each other because we, we kind of speak the same language, the same skateboarding language in a way, you know, even though we'll, we come from two very different parts of the world and we, we, we come from two very different cultures, somehow we connect. That's rad. So for this project, did you guys go and search out new spots or did you kind of know like, all right, we've got, all these brutalist spots we can make a project around this or were you like 
or we need to go find new brutalist spots to really fill this thing out. Oh yeah, we needed new shit. We needed new spots for sure. So <clears throat> what I did, because I'm also um, a TM for Magenta, so I use this app called uh, My Map, where you can build your own map, you know. Mm-hmm. And ba- basically, it's Google Map, but you can customize your own Google Map, and you can uh, pin all the spots and and put photos and stuff. So I did a lot of Google Map uh, around Paris because all the suburbs of Paris have tons of brutalist uh, spots, especially in the in the ghettos, especially in the projects. And that was a little sketchy because I don't know if you heard, but back in uh, June. We had pretty gnarly riots in the in the suburbs in the projects uh, of France. One kid got uh, shot by the police in like May or June. Uh, that was pretty awful. And most of the the, the kids from these uh, neighborhoods started fucking shit up and and burning cars and stuff and basically like rioting pretty pretty gnarly. So we we're like, okay, we gotta go to these neighborhoods to film. <clears throat> What's gonna happen, you know? So. It was a little bit sketchy at times, you know, to go there, but we worked it out. And I figured that a lot of the interesting spots that we could find uh, in these neighborhoods were actually old playgrounds, old playgrounds from the 70s that you find in the middle of towers, um, that you find in the middle of these uh, these neighborhoods. <clears throat> so sometimes you find like crazy whoops or crazy quarter pipes made of raw concrete, you know, in, in these areas. Yeah, it was it was pretty pretty interesting, you know, and what I noticed is we were most most of the time we felt very welcomed somehow. Like we would go to the spot, take out the camera, start start filming, like we're in the middle of like towers. Like it's like a well known neighborhood for like, you know, like crimes and stuff and like uh, drug dealing and stuff. The kids from the towers, like the young kids, they would come out and play with us. They wanted to try skateboarding, you know, so we have, that's why we have in the, in the Magenta Brutalista video, we have uh, footage of, of kids playing with us, you know, trying skateboarding. If you look at like the credits, the end of the video, there are footage like that, you know, most of the time it was very enjoyable. I, I found that I had more positive uh, interactions with people in these neighborhoods than in some of the rich neighborhoods of Paris, for example. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, and what's interesting about like a lot of the a lot of the banlieues, like a lot of the, the the suburbs that ring most French cities, is that every single city has a plaza, either like a place de la République or some sort of place where you can find at least like a decent bench, maybe even a bank or something. I think it was particularly prevalent in the like the north of France where there was the most destruction after the war. So like yeah. Le Havre, which is like the big port. Tons and tons and tons of spots <laughs> in a lot of those neighborhoods, and yeah, yeah. you know, I think it, it's quite similar to you know people coming to skate in Cuddy, you know, Cuddy neighborhoods in Baltimore, in Philly. Mm. You know, I'm I'm visiting friends in Philadelphia right now. It's really just about you know being cool with the neighbors and you know being respectful. I though I can I guess I gotta wonder though use this as a pivot question. Bordeaux, and we'll get to talking about redefining a scene and skatable architecture and working with the cities in just a second. But, you know, for a minute, Bordeaux, like Lyon, were like big, big hub cities where people from all over would come. Where Did you ever find yourself in, in times wondering, like, why is this spot in Bordeaux so blown up? Like, I can't even skate my, my usual route or my usual spots with all my friends because people are just coming here to film and making it, making it difficult for us. Mm-hmm. You mean Bordeaux has been blown up? 
Yeah, has it been? Like, do you find like it's like? Was there ever a period when it was blown up? I went from my honeymoon a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, and I saw that they had just changed it so that in a lot of parts of the city center you could skate between certain hours. Like it was no longer yeah, yeah. completely forbidden. Yeah, yeah, we worked on that stuff. <clears throat> took it took us basically seven years to make the city legal, <laughs> so it was a process, you know. Yeah, I mean there is a Bordeaux as like a big skateboarding scene somehow. There are like tons of people skating here. Skate media is based here. Skate companies based here. Lots of skate shops and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a big skate city and well, mentality. Mentality, you know, it's been quite like quite like that for a while. So people didn't didn't like skating, you know. It wasn't. It was people didn't enjoy us skateboarding in the city. <laughs> But can you can you repeat the question again? It, it kind of like I'm not sure if I understood what you said. I think I had some like when you when you asked the question, I, I kind of understood what you what you meant, but you, you kind of jumped. So my question then is, was there ever a period in Bordeaux where it was too blown out, where there were too many people, too many people blowing up spots? Bordeaux is a very mm-hmm. happening, very popular city. But was there ever a period where you felt maybe frustrated or unable to skate the spots that you normally skated <laughs> because so many people were coming to Bordeaux to film parts or just yeah, to yeah. move to skate? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, okay, I understand the question. It's uh, Bordeaux was, um, as I said, Bordeaux was always a big skate city. We have like so many people skating here and like a big like skate scene and skate culture in Bordeaux. And the city is also really good for skating. I never felt frustrated by the people coming here to skate. I always enjoyed people coming here to skate. I'm always happy to host people and show people around. You know, I'm always like proud to show them like, the spots I grew up skating and stuff. The problem we had is that we had no communication with the city whatsoever. So the city made skateboarding illegal on most of the public plazas in the city, basically from like 2005 until 2017. Once they built a skate park, after that, it was a no-go. You know, we couldn't like, most of the spots got forbidden to skate. So what we did is that we, we started developing the idea of skate urbanism in Bordeaux. Sick. I want to talk about skate urbanism, but I, I still have a couple more questions about uh, the video. So can we go back to that? I want to ask about your camera setup because it's it's HD, but it's a 4-3 um, aspect ratio. Like what's, what's your setup? And feel free to get as detailed and nerdy as, as you want. Okay. Okay. So we we uh, we love VX1000. Obviously, most of our videos were filmed with VX1000 and MK1. Uh, but for this video, uh, and also for Just Cruise 2, our most recent full length, we decided to go with a HD camera or just a Sony P2. You know, just because it was more easy without like using tapes and like without like with just having a a camera that doesn't bug out like every trip you go to, you know, that, right. that that was just like easier for us, you know? So yeah, we went with that and kept the four by three uh, aspect ratio, just tried to film with it just like we would film with a VX basically, you know? So you still were using old technology with the P2 cameras, but just yeah. not as old. <laughs> yeah. And we're still like, filming some projects with the VX. It's just like sometimes when, you know, when you fly an entire crew to France to film for a project, spend a lot of money on that, and you have to, you're not sure if your camera is going to work. It's a little bit frustrating, you know, it's a little bit scary, you know. So P2 was a little more reliable. 
I still like I miss stuff about the VX, like the sound, for example. That's just mm-hmm. more crispy and you know it's just better in my opinion. But whatever, you know, it's just like safer <laughs> somehow. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, that, I feel like that's one of the major things about the VX. That's like you know has me wondering why people still use it. It's like you might go out to film and the fucking thing doesn't work and you can't get any footage if the camera doesn't work. Yeah. Among many other things, I'm I'm not a VX uh, purist, but I, I get why others are. Leo, question about that: um, What's the craziest thing that you or the Magenta crew has had to do to rescue a camera uh, while traveling for, like, while working on a trip and the camera goes down? So yeah, we had this experience not too long ago. I think that was uh, last winter or like two winters ago. I can't remember. We've been uh, doing a project after another. My mind kind of bugs out sometimes. But we did this uh, LA capsule. So we we flew uh, some of the Magenta crew to Los Angeles to film a downtown Los Angeles um, short video. We flew this uh, our good friend from uh, Florida, Marshall Nicholson, uh, who's a VX filmer to film the video and his camera broke on the second day of the trip. So we're like, okay, what do we do? You know, like the camera was just like gone, you know, nothing to do. So we posted uh, a story on Instagram and someone we didn't even know, his name is Nando Yves. He's a filmer from LA, very cool guy. He hit us up, he's like, oh, I, I wanna help you guys out. I have uh, I have a working VX, let me, you can borrow it, you know? So we meet up with him like basically the same day and he just saved the video. So basically that's what we did is having to like ask for help from other skaters and the skate community is, is just, you know, it's fantastic like that. It's, it's it, yeah, they they made the project happen. All right, Shout out later. to Nando. I mean, he, he's actually Nando, the yeah. person who uh, connected you and I, Leo. So he, right. he's the person to thank for this this interview as well. That's crazy. And now Nando just came to Bordeaux with his uh, girlfriend this summer. We had a fantastic time together. He, he enjoyed the city and the and the skating a lot. So yeah. That's Shout awesome. out to he Nando. Was, he, all, he all started through a broken VX. <laughs> All right, Leia, another question about uh, the video and kind of also about the previous one, uh, Just Cruise 2. Jamil Douglas, I think it's safe to say he was everyone's uh, standout rider uh-huh. in both of those videos. Um, how did he link up with y'all? I'm, I'm going to assume he's not from France. Yeah, Jamil is based in San Francisco. He's American. Uh, basically, yeah, we have a, a, another strong connection with uh, with San Francisco, especially through Oh, dude, uh, Ben Gore and... Uh, oh, right, right. Yeah, you know, he's been skating for the brand for, for many years. Ben is the man. It's been always a pleasure to go on, on trips with him. And I lived in San Francisco for, for a couple of years, too. So I was skating with him a lot and also skated with uh, Jamil and Jesse Alvarez, which is his good homie. So, yeah, it just came naturally, you know, Jamil and Jesse. Uh, they were skating for this brand called uh, Northern Co., uh, and eventually the brand went down, you know, it stopped and we just took them on board, you know, it just, just came naturally. It made sense, you know? So yeah, he's been, he's been on the, on the company. He's been on Magenta for a couple of years now, maybe like three years, you know, it's like, it's like a little like, uh, SF crew, you know, Ben Gore, Jesse Alvarez and, and Jamil Douglas. Right. Right. I like that you guys have little, like, kind of like sub crews, you know, like you've got your. Japan people, you've got your San Francisco people, like, yeah. instead of just, like, one guy in 
each of those places you've got like like they can be their own little team skating together yeah for sure we have uh casey foley and morgan campbell in australia they're really good same you know they're just like two dudes kidding it and good homies and they skate together all the time and i think it's important in the skating projects that you do to show the sense of uh of friendship of uh of the crew vibe you know that that comes out of skateboarding you know and, and that's something we try to focus on in our videos for sure yeah i feel like that comes through really well like the, i feel like that you guys have like kind of like your own uh shot that i like i know i'm always going to see like the crew pushing through the street and either like the camera is is filming going forward and the skaters kind of like come from either side to yeah. like you know reveal themselves or it's the other way around and the skaters are coming towards the camera and like go past <laughs> it and it's like I don't know. It's always such a good vibe and makes me want to go out and skate with my friends in the city. So I, I think that the the crew vibe comes through really strongly in your videos. Sick. Thanks. But yeah, that's that's something that's important for us. You know, there because those, those uh, crew shots they allow us to you know show this 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 vibe of like people skating together. You know, searching for spots in the city together, and also to to give a focus on on the architecture, on the vibe of the place. You know, and we try to shoot them as natural as possible that means like it's always better if you shoot those when you're actually really going from a spot to another and the cameraman just takes out the camera and films when the skaters are not even noticing it you know right you guys just know what you're uh like the the filmer knows the shot that needs to get get got and Sure. I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. We stop at, at places that look epic, and we're like, okay, let's do a cruising shot here. It looks too good, you know. For right, sure, we, yeah. we do that. But what I'm saying is that if it can be natural, it's it's often better. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I wanted to kind of maybe wrap up the the brutalista segment yeah. of this conversation. All the spots look really rad, but I'm sure some of them are uh, kind of fool's gold, where they they look good. Good from far, but they're far from good. What what was the most deceiving spot that you guys went to? The most deceiving spots. Yeah, just something I mean, that looked really yeah. rad, but it was just like uh, so hard to skate. I mean, a lot of this stuff is actually pretty rough and has a lot of cracks on them and stuff. So I would say it's not really the spot, but it's more like the people. I was saying like we got some some we met some really cool kids and people in some of these projects, but also like. For example, one spot that we really wanted to skate, we went all the way there. We like we took a train for an hour and stuff. And when we arrived there, like drug dealers were like posted on this spot, on the spot, and they they were like no cameras. They were they were fine. They were just like you cannot take a camera, like, you cannot film here, which is understandable. But you know, it's just this type of shit just makes it like it's it's frustrating. Like damn, you just took a train with a crew for like a good hour and and you end up not being able to film anything or. Oh, you know, you, they were like fine with the skating, just not not filming, you know. Wow. So at least at least think. you got to keep the camera. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I mean, it could have been worse, for sure. You know, for sure. Uh, on the other on the other hand, I can tell you a, a, a more positive story. Uh, we went to the project that's pretty epic. It's like in the middle of, of towers and you have all these uh, banks with different colors and stuff. It's really sick. It's in the video and, and all the kids came down to play with us and tried skateboarding and stuff. And and they were watching us skate and, and being stoked. And all of a sudden I see this like 
all the dude that looks like a you know a gangster it's like in his in his 50s probably an older gangster you know and he looks at me all weird and i'm kind of like ooh okay uh, and then he goes into a grocery store and it was really hot it was in the summer and he comes out with an ice cream he comes to me and he gives me the ice cream and i'm like what and he goes like thank you for what you're doing this is sick and he just goes you know like super humble like no like didn't really want to have a conversation. Just like, he was just stoked that we were like playing with the kids from the neighborhood, you know? Oh, that's awesome. He didn't even G-check you. He just gave you an ice cream. <laughs> just like, thanks for what you're doing, cream, my dude. dude. Like, nobody, nobody gave me an ice cream ever at the skate spot, you know? And like, I go to like a, 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 a sketchy neighborhood and some dude comes and gives me an ice cream. This is pretty amazing, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's wild. I, I feel like that kind of is a great transition point to talk about skate urbanism, which is something that you've been kind of a leader in, I, I'd say, in in kind of making skateboarding part of city life and showing leaders that it's not something to be gotten rid of, but something to be encouraged. Let me just read a little intro. You've been a leader in legalizing skateboarding in your hometown of Bordeaux and showing that skateboarding is an important part of the city. It's something that, I don't know if you've coined the term skate urbanism, but what what is skate urbanism, Leo? Well, I would say skate urbanism means skateboarding as an integrated part of public space in a way that skaters and cities can um, mutually benefit. That means skateboarding being understood as a positive tool for the development of urban spaces. So not training facilities or, or skate parks, you know, but shared public spaces where skateboarding is certainly added into the design and where it can blend with other city users. So it's all about sharing spaces, you know. Yeah, we the, I didn't invent the term or like we didn't invent the term in, in Bordeaux. People were doing it before us here, like especially in uh, in Scandinavian countries um, such as Copenhagen or, or Malmo in uh, in Sweden. But somehow we have been developing this concept here in a city that used to be super repressive to our skateboarding. You know. So I have a follow-up question to that, Leo. Something that has really changed in a lot of cities is that there are more mature skateboarders, by which I mean there's more of us old heads, and there's. People our age, like I'm 41, for example, my wife is an urban planner. So for me, uh, as somebody who used to write letters to my local newspaper about getting a skate park, I've been engaging with this, you know, for a long time. But now there's lots of people our age who are engaging with local governments, engaging with city councils. Um, what was it like for you in Bordeaux going from no skating in city center to now having designated skating hours and having skatable sculptures? Like, what was that journey like? Um, how did you how did you build that trust? <laughs> because I know that's difficult. Dude, it took like we just legalized skateboarding in Bordeaux fully. Like there is not a, a one no skateboarding sign in the city, uh, and that just happened in May this year. But we started working on this concept in 2017. So it took like it took a while. You know, it took six years or something to make that happen. I grew up. Personally, I grew up with my, my father is a psychosociologist and my mother is a psychologist. So I grew up in an environment where my parents were always like talking to me about how do you learn how to work with people and to integrate the fact that other people can have a different point of view of yours, you know. So that's something that I think helped me for sure, you know. And for many years, we were as a skate community skating illegally, getting tickets from the police 
the city was starting to install skate stoppers all over our beloved spots. And that was very frustrating, you know, but somehow we, we learned how to live with it. We would still like produce skate videos and skate photos and, and you know, we would still like have like skate companies and, and do all that stuff, you know, but it was tough, you know, and, and I remember in 2016, I came back from uh, America. I was living in the States for a couple of years. And when I came back to America, I, I found an apartment in the city center of, of Bordeaux. And on the, the city hall public plaza, on a Saturday afternoon, it was sunny. I see two kids that were like 13 or something, skating, having fun. You know, it was 4 p.m. And then I see like two city cops on, uh, on segways chasing those kids. And the kids know they, they could get a ticket. So they start like running and one of the kids almost went under a tram, you know, almost got killed by the tram. And I was like, holy shit, this is insane. You know, we need to do something. And then a couple, like, I think one week after, I get a call from this, uh, this news channel in, in France, like a local news channel. And they wanted me to go on, the, on their news channel live to talk about the industry of skateboarding, you know, because like I've I've been a pro skater for many years and stuff. So they wanted me to go and and talk about that. And I remember when they asked me that, I was like, hell no, you know, I don't want to go on a, on a news channel, like to show my face, like a mainstream news channel. So I hung up the phone and then I'm like, wait a minute, maybe this is the way we can, you know, like confront the city about what's going on. So I called him back and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go on your news channel, but I'm going to say this and that about the city because they've been ticketing us and like chasing us for many years. And we are part of the city. We love our city. You know, we are, we, we, we're like, we're part of this, this place, you know, we, so they were down of course, because they love these kind of topics, you know? So I went and I, I, I talked, I said what I had to say. And one week later, I get a, a, an email from the, the, the mayor's team and they want to meet me, you know? And so I, I go with like a crew of skaters, like skate shop owners or like, you know, skate organization uh, um, managers and, and that, that, those people. And we, we show up and the city invited the residents that were all, often like old, rich residents that complained about skateboarding. And so we had like the first argument like that. It was really tough, you know, but the, the trick really was to listen to these people and accept their point of view and explain to them that, you know, we also have a point of view that is different and that skateboarding is not about taking over the city. It's about sharing the city. You know, we want to use the city. What we do is not a, like criminal. It's, it's actually positive. And then started to explain how skateboarding can be a positive outlet for the development of the city. And little by little, I had to do like many, many of these meetings and, you know, we, we had to do like a, a master plan. Eventually, like the city asked us to work on a master plan for the city of Bordeaux in order to integrate skateboarding in the long term. So eventually it switched, you know, and, and then the museums, the local museums uh, helped us out as well by organizing uh, exhibitions about skateboarding and public spaces. So it all went like, you know, it, it, it all built up like that. And now I can, I'm, I'm proud, I'm happy to say that uh, Bordeaux is a place that's fully legal to skate where we integrate skateboarding in urban spaces when it's possible. Yeah, Leo, quick uh, follow-up question about that, about uh, Bordeaux being fully legal to skate. I, I guess yeah. just because it seems like completely insane, like, you know, from here, looking from here in America, it seems like something, you know, from Mars or whatever. So does that mean every single ledge, curb, spot, whatever, you can skate it, even if it's, say, like, at a at a business, at a private business or something like that? 
So what we did, you mean now is it's fully legal to skate when I say it's fully legal to skate? Yeah. What do you mean? Uh, does that include like private businesses and that kind of thing? I think it's it's different. There is not really like private plazas or anything. I think public space in, in France is kind of different than in America. But um, right. basically what we did to legalize skateboarding in Bordeaux is that we developed a skateboarding guide, an official skateboarding guide. So it's a document you can find online on the, on the city uh, website. It's also a, a physical uh, document that we wrote with the city electeds and, and services and with the, the skaters that gives recommendation of use for all of the spots, all of the main yeah. spots, at least. So we have this document. Uh, the city hired two uh, mediators, two like people that go around the city that give this guide to the residents, to the skaters, and that make sure like it's, it goes well in between everybody, you know? And then on all the spots that could be conflictual where skateboarding was illegal before, we have signs that tell those recommendation of use. So it's just recommendations. It's not like you can skate or you cannot skate. You know, it's like, but it's like, it's common sense. It's like, please um, uh, clean up your trash. Some spots, it says, don't skate here during rush hour, you know. Right. But it's, it's just common sense. It's like, you know, it's, it's stuff that everybody can understand. And I've, what I noticed uh, is that for kids, it's much better, it's much easier to respect that than to, you know, and they, they act in a much better way if you say that to kids than if you say, you cannot skate, this is forbidden, skateboarding is illegal, skateboarding is bad, you know. So it's, it makes a big difference, but it doesn't say, like, please skate, like, all day, here, anytime, whatever. It's, it's, we still have these, like, recommendations, you know. Man, that's a sick so idea. That's crazy. It's a great idea. So, Leo, uh, you, as a former resident of San Francisco, you've probably seen that UN Plaza is now skatable and that the city has added like, just like a couple pretty tasteful, tasteful, you know, obstacles, a remake of the China Bank, a little volcano. I guess, like, how do we here in America, what recommendations do you have to get more skate plazas like that? Less of these big, sprawling skate parks that are in the middle of nowhere, which have no shade, no corner market to go buy water or snacks. How do yeah, we get more sure. city parks? I think it's about explaining to the people that make, that design, build cities, that it's better to share spaces than to separate practices in different areas. And it makes a big, like, social difference. You know, I'm tired of the cities that, you know, put the tennis only here, like the skating only there, and like the, the uh, you know, this and that, like in boxes like that, you know. I love the idea of having places where people can, can where places that can create mixed city, you know. I love this idea, and I think it's possible. And a public, a skatable public plaza does that, you know. When we redesigned some of the, old plazas in Bordeaux that were basically abandoned into like skate-friendly public spaces, skaters would come back, but other people would come back too. Like people would come back to picnic, people would come back to like, you know, dance or whatever, you know, like, and life would come back, you know? So I think, I think it's, it's, it's a positive thing. And I think that's why we need to explain as skaters, as, as passionate people, to the people that build and the people who decide what the future of uh, our cities uh, will unfold, you know? 
Yeah, I feel like skaters are probably some of the most passionate people about public space. You know, like we, it's it's very important to us and our practice. Um, I, I really like the idea of sharing. You know, I think that, it, like you said, in America, it's very boxed boxed in. You know, it's like the skaters are over here, the tennis players are over there. Yeah, um, so but that, I I think it's pretty cool that they did that in San Francisco, and I think there is so much more to do. I was talking actually a couple of years ago with uh, I went to uh, Jim Thibault's office because uh, he saw the project that we did in Bordeaux and he, he was very interested. So I I went and we had like a long conversation about skate urbanism and I, I knew he wanted to make something like that happen in SF. And I'm very proud of those guys for making this finally happen. But I think. What's cool about skate urbanism and what's exciting is that you can really take any forms and shapes. You know, it can it can be like so like it can be just a bunch of benches that are great for skateboarding, but that you know are also great for sitting or people to to picnic or whatever. And and it's just gonna share fine, you know. And yeah, for me at this stage, after like seven years working on this, I see skate urbanism as like really like three big phases. The first thing is legalization of skateboarding, what I call mediation, is what we did in Bordeaux. You know, we skateboarding was illegal. We had all these no skateboarding signs. We proposed at first some time frames as a, as a test, you know, like so we could skate like a few afternoons a week on these places that used to be forbidden. It worked out because, you know, skaters are, are not that dumb. After all, you know, we can organize together and we have this sense of community. So he worked out. And then the second act or phase is ephemeral objects to skate so what i call uh, skateable sculptors so i have been working on several skateable sculptors project projects in bordeaux and it's always a blast i love this stuff guys it's just like you know designing skateable objects and and setting them up in in public space and seeing uh, the skaters like having a new spot being stoked and also the the other cd users like you know like seeing skateboarding differently because you you skateboard sculptors bring the message that skateboarding is is culture the skateboarding you know is artistic you know so people understand that through through art and through like artistic objects you know and then the third uh, act is skate urbanism as a long-term um, thing which means integrating skateboarding in the development of public plazas i'm feeling inspired you know maybe i, I should, should get in touch with with the people from my city and see what we can make happen yeah i, I would love it man I, I get these emails like all the time now from people from all all around the world wanting to develop this i had a couple of months ago i had the nikken uh, architecture studio from japan it's like the second biggest architecture studio in the world they build like entire cities in Japan and stuff. And they came to Bordeaux to 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 meet us and 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 take photos and and do sketches of all the projects that that we have developed here. And I'm just so happy that this you know to see this movement like developing. I know it's hard. It takes like a long time, but really I I, I think it makes sense you know to have like cities finally understanding that they cannot just contain skaters in skate parks just because the essence of skateboarding is is the streets you know and the skating is not like an illegal act you know and that it brings all the positivity that skating brings takes over the few negative points that uh, some people could could point out you know what i mean so there yeah. yeah, real quick you mentioned benches before um i was reading this interview in solo skate mag just getting for this podcast and you mentioned how you guys kind of renovated that plaza in bordeaux what was it called like terrace koenig or something like that yes 
And uh, that's where skateboarding was born in Bordeaux. So, so that was a very, you know, um, important project for us to be able to re- remodel this place. That was skate stopped, actually, you know. Yeah, and um, they kind of got into real detail about kind of like the different kinds of granite and stuff and like how you formulated the ledges. So because every skater is kind of an amateur geologist, what type of granite or marble do you think is the best for skating, for grinding and sliding? I think everything works really. It depends on the the type of terrain. But I I mean, granite is the best. For a ledge, what you need is to have a, a good angle, you know, a good edge. Because if, mm-hmm. if, even if you have good granite, but the but the edge is too sharp, it's not going to grind or it's going to take a long time to make the edge, you know? So, so the edge is very important. And then I would say the flamed granite is really good. Or the polished granite is really good too for, for skate benches. It's two types of granite. But then you can also do really good ledges on concrete with just a uh, uh, garage floor paint you know it's like the the garage floor of paint is this uh, very thick paint that people use in uh, indoor uh, parking garages you know and that's what people put on on curbs you know so if you have a concrete ledge that doesn't grind and you just paint it or you pa- paint the edge with uh, garage floor paint it grinds forever somehow so you can do also you can do skate urbanism projects with like you know small budget as well you know it doesn't necessarily mean like a lot of money yeah so sometimes you know what what we did for like a more, more recent project it was an old an old ledge that was basically like tiles of uh, of concrete that was pretty bad but people used to skate back in the day a lot uh, we just changed the edge with like a granite of a polished granite uh, coping on the edge of the of the ledge so basically the city cut the edge of the ledge and we replaced the edge of the ledge by this just this coping of granite that grinds so good people love that spot now you know it's like people go there and skate like you you go slow you do a 50 50 just grinds forever you know so it's really about like making skate spots better without like changing these places into skate parks you know we want to keep Something that I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned about is keeping those spaces public and not just for skaters. Otherwise, for me, it's a miss. It's, it's a fail, you know. If I make a skate, skate urbanism spot only for skaters, I'm, I'm, for me, it's, it's not a win, you know. All right. G- garage so, which then paint. I wrote that down. <laughs> garage for paint. All right. So I have one more question then. <laughs> if money was no object and you were tasked with taking on a major spot revitalization program. If you could pick any spot in the world to turn into a legal skate spot, what would it be? Mm, damn. I mean, Love Park would be pretty sick, huh? To redo a sick like Love Park Plaza. I, I, I remember um, one of my dream also one day, I, dream, I had a, a dream about remodeling uh, EMB in San Francisco. I think re- remaking EMB as a, a legal place to skate that's better for skating but that don't look like a skate park and still has this vibe of a street spa would be pretty epic. That would that would be amazing. I think we'd all be uh, <laughs> stoked to skate something like that and to see EMB kind of rise from the ashes. Or um, and I, I, I think EMB is still illegal. I think I, I saw people getting tickets at EMB uh, not so long ago. Shit. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Be <laughs> we'd all be stoked if it was legal to skate. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing people have to be careful about, though. When you do 
you don't want to do like a, a public uh, street plaza and and because of that have other spots become illegal. So that's why you have to explain this concept as like as a wall. You know, it's not just making one spot. It's not you know it's not not just like making uh, uh, saying like oh skaters are just going to skate at this spot now and, and nowhere else, you know? It's about like, that's why like the first step, the first thing in Bordeaux that happened is that we did this master plan for the city. And the master plan for skateboarding in Bordeaux is a, a document that studied Bordeaux as a global territory for skateboarding, not just one spot or another spot, like global territory, which means, you know, wherever we can add scalable benches, we do it. Skateboarding cannot be illegal at one spot because if you make it illegal at one spot, that means they could make another spot illegal too. Like the neighbors from another plaza can say, oh, this plaza is illegal. We want our plaza to be illegal too because we don't like skateboarding. You know what I mean? So if you make one plaza illegal, anything in the city can be illegal. So that doesn't work. So you have to explain that skateboarding needs to be illegal everywhere, that mediation is the only key to share the CD properly, which means it can be a guide, it can be recommendation of use. Like, you know, every skater can can agree with the fact that maybe after like, after 9 p.m. at this specific plaza, it's better to go swim somewhere else when you have the full day, the whole day to skate there, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's like, it's about like having global vision for a place really, you know? That's really smart. And I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing everything you've learned, I feel like. I'm inspired. I hope that other people out there are inspired to go speak up for skateboarding where they live. You've had yeah. like a hell of a year. Like you put out a couple of video parts. You've made skatable sculptures. Like too much to even get into on on this show today. Mm-hmm. But how how are you feeling after accomplishing all that? <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm I'm stoked. I just um you know I'm kind of like a, a workaholic. I love to I love to skate. I love to work on projects, and um it is what it is. I just yeah I feel I feel good, man. I just want to keep going, you know. And you know as long as what what gets me the most stoked is to see that when you do something and that people can can you know can feel inspired, it's like super powerful, you know. So I, I want to keep doing that really. It's it's working right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm definitely stoked. And that brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Leo, what are you stoked on this week? What am I stoked on this week? I'm stoked to go back to America because it's going to be winter in France. And I love to, you know, go back to you guys' country. And yeah, I think I'm going to go to Florida to visit uh, my homie Jimmy Lennon. I don't know if you know Jimmy, but he's a great guy. Uh, Mike Mag also was a good friend, all the Florida homies. And then go to LA, go to San Francisco. I'm I'm stoked to go back to, you know, a little little, uh, US uh, vacation. Other than that, in skateboarding, I was really stoked to see a new uh, Go Miyagi part. You know, Go Miyagi has been a very unique skater. He kind of said his career was over almost 10 years ago. So, you know, I was, you know, I was, I mean, obviously it's, he, he does what he wants, but I, I still felt he had like more to say, more to express in skateboarding, you know, because I really love unique individuals in skateboarding. I think that's what makes our, our culture so, so rich and so sick. And I love when skaters, pro skaters take you to their universe through the skating and when they don't give a shit about any rules or anything, but they just skate the way they are, depending on their cultural and architectural backgrounds, you know, and Go Miyagi has been doing that forever. It has been working hard for him. 
and he just released a new video part in this video, this Japanese video called uh, Time Scan 2 by Rob Taro. It's it's super sick. I think he should, maybe he's going to come online. He's going to come out on, online pretty soon. But I was pretty stoked to see a new uh, Gomiyagi part. And uh, Rob Taro just gave me the, the, the DVD at the Vladimir Film Festival in Croatia a couple of weeks ago and uh, just watched it. And it was really inspiring. Sick. Can't wait to see that. Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? Well, I'm stoked on Spitfire wheels, especially big joints, because uh, I'm in the city of brotherly love. Shout out to Philadelphia for being awesome and excellent. Um, and it's crisp, cool fall weather right now, um, which is nice. Uh, a respite from never-ending sunshine in Southern California, although I think we're going to have a wet winter. I've actually been kind of diving back into older videos um, this past week. I rewatched Mouse. I rewatched Goldfish. Um, I think I'm still kind of buzzing off of the nostalgia from the 30 years of, of Girl Skateboards event from a few weeks ago that Decade and Bob Shirts had put together along with the folks from Krell Taps. And um, yeah, I'm also I'm stoked on uh, I'm, I'm stoked on outerwear because, you know, we're coming into wetter weather on the West Coast for winter and colder weather on the East Coast. Like shout out to Big Jackets. Jason, what you stoked on this week? Stoked on Venture Trucks manufacturer in san francisco california stoked on a little instagram account that i'm shocked that i hadn't found out about before now uh it's called that was now i'm pretty sure jacob rosenberg does it it's kind of where he posts all a bunch of you know raw footage from you know the legendary videos that he filmed for questionable virtual reality that kind of thing so if you're a like a 90s world completionist like myself it's it's pretty sick it's the kind of instagram where like once you discover you have to watch every single video like kind of go through the whole thing i'm stoked because i finally won a dunk raffle for the uh tight booth dunks we talked about japanese skateboarding before um, <laughs> what <laughs> yeah dude we talked about japanese skateboarding before uh lens is like an epic i mean epic like in the literary sense of the word like really long and incredible video um the type type booth just made so stoked on that. Shout out Venue Skateboards here in Richmond, Virginia. And we talked about French skateboarding as well. So I'm stoked on a little uh, video remix edit from the homie Swift Blazer. I, I believe he's from France as well. It's a 12-minute Jean-Baptiste Gier, um remix. So if you're in the Eurotech, I mean, this guy this guy was Eurotech before Eurotech was even a thing. So if, you're, mm -hmm. if he's one of your favorite skaters, definitely check that one out. Uh, Templeton, what are you stoked on this week? I'm stoked on coconut water. Uh, it's just uh, very refreshing. And whenever I, I, I never buy it for myself, but whenever I have to go into the office, they have it in the fridge. So I, I drink a whole lot of it and I, you know, grab a few to bring home with me. So I'm, I'm stoked on coconut water. That's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Uh, Jason, where can the people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Frozen and Carbonite, on Twitter at Carbonite1994, and writing stuff for coursenext.com. Uh, working on it. Patrick, where can the people find you? Find me on Twitter under the handle at Colonel K Speaks. You can also find me on Instagram under the handle at Pikigongo and doing stuff with the Harold Hunter Foundation. Leo, where can the people find you on the internet? Um, my Instagram account, Leo Connected. 
on a bunch of uh, magenta videos that you can find on the magenta YouTube account, magenta skateboards. Um, also have some recent videos on the DC skateboarding Europe account on YouTube. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Or you can find me in the streets of Bordeaux too, if you come here. <laughs> uh, and you can find me on Instagram at mostly skateboarding and on Twitter at mostly skate. And I'm going to link to all the shit that Leo has put out this year. It's like a really impressive list. So hit up mostly skateboarding.net to see, see it all. And, you know, maybe, maybe put Leo in the conversation for skater of the year. Thanks a ton for being on the show, Leo, and yes, sir. for all that you do for skateboarding. You know, I think it's thank you so really much, guys. Work. It was great talking yes, with sir. you all. The good work, and uh, thank so you. And yeah, I, may, I hope to to meet you one day. In real life. Yeah, not just in megapixels, but in uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the yo, spot. Yeah, seriously, if, if you ever come skate DC, like Pulaski or whatever, give me a shout because it's not for far. sure. I'll be stoked. I've never been to DC. Yeah. I want to oh, go you got to hit Pulaski. I want to go to Baltimore to visit my good friend Zach Lyons. Oh, yeah, Ripper. You got to skate the wire spot. Yeah, I feel like DC would be a great destination for Magenta. Like, wow. it's such a rad city to skate. Mm -hmm. So much marble. Yeah. Um, you, you can stay at the uh, the Watergate Hotel, which is brutal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> On n'est pas du même groupe sanguin, pas du même crew Cousin la même haine, haute scène, haute scène Illégal comme les armes et la cocaïne Lunatique, haute scène, haute scène C'est un problème, qu'attendre du système va de sang Quand j'en ai marre, je mon argent dans la marche Avec Ali Bouba le flingue et son chargeur J'entraide défoncé et je m'en bats les couilles des conseils Y'en a qui sautent, moi c'est le shit et ça s'arrachite Les sexes banals, je tape ma galère à la machine Exo et Ripnol, c'est le resto qui viennent te dire que la terre est belle, ronde comme un caston. Y'a des foires et des faibles, hardcore et des fables. Les roses c'est fabuleux, mais quand t'arrêtes, faut redécorer. La vie c'est dur, ça fait mal dès que ça commence. Pour ça qu'on pleure tous à la naissance. Et en plus, ils veulent qu'on dégage. Après, ces fils de pute s'étonnent quand y'a des clous dans les bouteilles de gaz. Tellement de merde, ici peu de toilettes. Le 9 mars 200, avec Aélim, on sent sa toilette. La cam parle, cette baltrin qui fait des murmures. Cousin, mais ton gilet par frein, car si tu meurs, je meurs. One L-O-V-E. Je veux pas te voir mon oracle, ni gros mélange ta coca de l'eau. On n'est pas du même groupe sanguin, pas du même crew. Nous avons la même haine, haute scène, haute scène. Illégal comme les armes et la cocaïne, lunatique. Haute scène, haute scène. Pas mon groupe sanguin, pas du même crew. Nous avons la même haine, haute scène, haute scène. Illégal comme les armes et la cocaïne, lunatique. Plus on avance, plus les épreuves viennent, là que les vraies têtes retiennent les liens et que les traîtres font sorte que l'unité ne reste qu'un mot unité. Peu importe que tu sois seul ou au comité, on finira tout sous le sol. Pour l'instant au-dessus, insiste à faire les choses bien. Le but final est céleste. Cause pour les miens, soldats universels vivant dans un environnement funeste, néfaste. Le béton est comme une tombe pour les faibles, beaucoup de bouffons veulent bluffer. Vive de fab, j'acte trop, agir ou mourir est la règle, la grosse violence, les faits divers s'alternent comme le jour et la nuit, la rue materne, la délinquance, le crime P Vont arriver à son terme International langage, celui des armes Du ministère de la défense au ministère vendeur de défense Tu pour des intérêts, la mort n'est pas un mystère Le sang des altères, soif de vengeance, tiré en terre, qui est l'homme Celui qui prend la vie ou la donne celui qui s'élève pour le paradis béni Ou celui qui s'enfonce vers l'enfer damné Haute scène, haute scène, haute scène On n'est pas du même groupe sanguin, pas du même crew 
tous dans la même haine Haute scène, haute scène Illégal comme les armes et la cocaïne Lunatique Haute scène, haute scène Pas mon groupe sanguin, pas du même crew Tous dans la même haine Haute scène, haute scène Illégal comme les armes et la cocaïne Lunatique Haute scène, haute scène Pas mon groupe sanguin, pas du même crew Tous dans la même haine Haute scène, haute scène Illégal comme les armes et la cocaïne Lunatique Haute scène, haute scène, pas mon groupe sanguin, pas du même crew, tous dans la même haine. Haute scène, haute scène, illégal comme les armes et la cocaïne, lunatique. Haute scène, haute scène, groupe illégal, groupe sanguin, haute scène, haute scène.